All right, good morning, everybody, and uh, happy Mother's Day, and it's so good to see everybody this morning. Go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. That's where we're going to start today. Um, and uh, let's do this. Let me start by opening up with, um, oh, let me pray first. I always, let me do that. Sorry. Bow our heads with, uh, with me real quick. God, thank you so much for this day to be together, to worship your name, to uh, be grateful for, uh, you know, I think amazing weather, of course, but also just the family that we get to have. Uh, the gift uh, that fellowship is to us, God, the gift of the church, and of course, the gift of just a relationship with, with you, Father. So I pray we can just draw closer to you today, that we can appreciate you just a little bit more, God, that we can understand and be convicted by our own lives and sins just a little bit more, God, that we can appreciate your, your glory even better. So we love you. We're grateful for you. Pray in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so starting off in Isaiah chapter 6, we'll, we'll come back to that. Let me, let me go ahead and open up with a question. Um, what, what's, uh, what's some of your favorite places that you've ever uh, gone on vacation to? Like some of the best places that, yeah, go ahead. Ooh, I would say um, Kauai. Kauai. And, and tell me why. Sorry, second, yeah, two-part yeah. question. Um, well, it's known as the Garden State, so it's just so lush with, like, flowers that look prehistoric and just big. The most beautiful flowers you've ever seen in your life. And chickens there you go. Okay. Yeah. Good. Let's hear some more. Paris. Paris. What? What's so good about Paris? You know, I think because we didn't go there touristy. Okay. We went there. And we like hung out in a little neighborhood, and we just talked to people, and just kind of talking to people about the different culture and growing up. You know, like their life, and just kind of getting that picture of. Um, like we're just all one big family, even though you had it really different over here on this continent than we have it over there. And, you know, um, welcomeness of, you know, people welcoming. I'd say Mexico too, like people just welcoming, like come to my home. I don't know you, but come to like my house. There you go. Yeah. So this is kind of weird, but I've always said that two minutes with God is like a two week vacation. So sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost every night I'll just kind of grab my quilt and I'll just lay on my couch, and I'll just pull it over my head, and I just kind of sometimes pretend I'm, I'm like a street person. I'm all by myself, and it's just me and God, and that's like my vacation with God, I guess. There you go. Okay, there you go. In mind. Yeah, Spencer. Uh, when I went to Tennessee, so I went to Nashville for a little while, and then we went to Knoxville to watch Oregon play Tennessee <laughs> there, too. So it was, and the weather did not cooperate, which made it a more memorable trip. There you too. go. There you go. Yeah, okay. But the family's great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, some of your answers, maybe you're just proving my point today. But something I think that, that's, that's not a good way to start a, a point. Um, you know, I, th- I think when I look at where people like to vacation, and maybe I'm learning something new about vacation today, but we like to go to places that are special or make us you know, feel something. You know, I don't think I've heard of anybody go on vacation to like the plains of Kansas, right? You know, we want to go somewhere or uh, the... <laughs> 
<laughs> no, there's no saying about Kansas. I mean, you know, like, like uh, Stacey and I have a campsite booked um, at Soda Creek Campground. It's, it's in the Cascade Lakes area. And from the campground, uh, you, I mean, you're like right at the foot of like South Sister and Broken Top and, wow. and Mount Bachelor. And it's just amazing to, and like I can go there. I can, I can do a camping trip there and, then, and just do nothing but sit and stare at the mountains. You know, like I want to go and just be like, wow, this is incredible. Or, or you think like, why, why do people go to the ocean, right? It's like at the end of the day, you look at it, it's a big body of water. But why is that impressive? Because it's huge and it's powerful and it's mysterious, right? Or, or even think of like the Grand Canyon sometimes. Some people, I've heard some people say, man, the Grand Canyon is just like a, a hole in the ground. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's really big, right? It's like, you know, there's something special about these things that, you know, we charge people to go look at a giant hole in the ground. So we know. No, it's, it's impressive in, in some sort of way. And so, you know, I think my point is that we are, we are designed to want to be, in, to be in awe of something, right? We are designed to want to worship something, right? And, and so I think there, that's kind of what's going on behind that. We want to go somewhere and, and look at something and be like, wow, that is incredible. And, and so really what I want to talk about that today is that we are designed for worship. I don't want to talk about worship today, okay? So I, I want to start in Isaiah chapter 6. Um, and we're going to look at a couple examples of people worshiping God. And it's Isaiah chapter 6, just starting in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with the two uh, covering his face, and the two covering his feet, and with two he Flew, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is, fill, uh, is full of his glory. And, and at the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man with unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, man, I look at this and what Isaiah is seeing it is this awesome imagery right and I know like that word awesome maybe we got to do a little rethinking because I'll say wow that hamburger was awesome but you know like for something to be awesome it's like you're just you're just in awe of that thing right that thing inspires awe in you and so there's this awesome imagery here and even to the point where Isaiah is seeing angels and something that you know, an observation that I heard once was that angels in the presence of God can't help but worship him. Right. We see this here and we see it in Revelation. But when angels are in the presence of God, they can't help but just sing holy, holy, holy. And so there's something about being in the presence of God that, that inspires us to worship. There's something about knowing who God is and, and then not even knowing who God is, but we... You know, what was Isaiah's response? He said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. There's something about being in the presence of God and knowing God that also helps you know yourself a little bit more too, right? And so that's like the key part is like the woe is me part. And so I said, man, he is just, woe is me. I'm a man with unclean lips. The angels can't help but sing his praises. Holy, holy, holy. And so there's something incredible about knowing God that changes us. There's something incredible about seeing God and changes us and how that inspires us to just, man, go, wow. 
And, and this is not just, um, you know, it, this is not just about God and seeing just this crazy imagery. I don't know. I, like I said, I like to look at mountains. I like to go to waterfalls. I like to be inspired by this physical imposing presence in, in front of me. But I think worshiping God is not just about that. There's also something else going on. I want to look at Luke chapter 5. Let's go there. And we'll look at another example of, of somebody worshiping. Uh, but this time it's going to be somebody worshiping Jesus. Luke chapter 5. This is... You know, maybe some of you know it well. This is Jesus calling his first disciples. And we see another, uh, we see another instance of somebody worshiping. So in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, on, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had uh, gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little of the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into, deep, into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So, so let's just stop there real quick. Um, now, another awe-inspiring thing is happening, right? Such a large amount of fish are being caught. And, and again, in a similar way, you know, you know, Peter has that same kind of reaction that Isaiah did. He fell down on his knees, said, Away from me, you know, I'm a sinful man. And so something about seeing the, the power and, and the, 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 uh, the wonder of God, I guess, inspired him to fall to his knees and worship. So, so maybe now let me talk a little bit about that word worship. And the sense of the worship in the Greek and in the Hebrew is pretty much the same. It means like in, in the Hebrew, it literally means fit like face to ground, right? It's like falling to your knees, your face is on the ground. That's kind of like what the word literally means. And in the Greek, there, that, there's also that in there, but it's like about a, a, a prostrating yourself before somebody, a submission towards somebody, a, a, a recognition of a complete dependence on the person that you're bowing to. Right, so there's these really heavy uh, concepts in the word worship of man. I just, I need you. I can do nothing without you. And, and something about seeing Jesus doing this miracle causes Peter to have that reaction. Man, you are it. I am unclean. I'm going to bow down to you. Now, I think that is a challenging concept to us because I don't think any of us really like to bow down to anybody. If I think about putting my face to the ground, I'm like, nah, man, that ain't me. That's weird. And so I think there is something that, that we just kind of fight with in doing this when it comes to submitting to, uh, in general. Like, I think we've talked about it before, but the idea of submission is it's almost like a bad idea. It's like a bad, submission is like a bad word, I think, to a lot of people. But there's something really amazing about submitting to God, submitting to this powerful, awe-inspiring person. And so I think something that's interesting here, well, let's keep reading this, uh, in verse 10. And also so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So here's something that I think is really interesting about this. The, uh, the, the crazy thing that Jesus did that got Peter to bow down at Jesus' feet was catching a bunch of fish. 
Now, that's, why would that be incredible for him? Well, he's a fisherman. So it's like, man, well, they were out all night. They caught nothing. And so not only could they not catch anything, and Jesus could. So Jesus can do things they can't do. Uh, he, they, uh, he did it when he, uh, Jesus did it when Peter thought it wasn't possible. So God is delivering in ways that Peter thinks is impossible. So there's all that going on there, too. But at the end of the day, what God does for us can inspire worship. But it shouldn't be about what God does for us that keeps us worshiping God. Here's what I mean by that. Um, what, did, what did they do with the nets and the fish and the boats? They left them. So even though they got this amazing catch of fish, it wasn't about worshiping the thing that Jesus did for him. It was about them understanding who Jesus was because of what he did. And so that, you know, because we can get caught in this trap where we want to worship maybe the good things that God can do for us or maybe promises us. And we can get caught up in our mind with expectations. Life should be this way or it should look like this or whatever. Right. And of course, when I think of that, I think of Job. Right. And I, th- I think of that whole interaction where, uh, you know, God is really man. Job is being te- like being tested like he is being worked. Right. There's challenging things going on in Job's life. And at one point, Job kind of like questions. And, you know, God does the thing for like a whole chapter. He's like, you question me. All right. You're going to get some answers, man. And he just goes in. Who are you? Man, I'm God. What do you, th- what do you know about anything? Um, yeah, just, that is kind of like the, that's, that's basically it. Right. And it's funny because, you know, God does that for literally like a chapter. He does that. And then Job's like, you're right. I'm sorry, man. And God's like, I'm not done. And then he does like another, <laughs> just like another chapter of I did this. And, da, da, da. and so there's just so much we don't understand about God. But anyway, so these amazing things he can do, it's not about worshiping those things. It's about worshiping him. Right. right? So we can get kind of caught up in these expectations of life and maybe what God can do or doesn't do in our life. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. They didn't worship the fish. They didn't worship the, worship the catch of fish. They worshiped the man who gave them the fish. And they, followed, they dropped everything and followed him. And so that's another, that's another component of worship, of how it changes your life. Right, because you become totally submissive to one thing. And, and that's, man, it, they, left, they left their nets, they left their families, they left their livelihood, they left everything. They left this amazing catch of fish that they could have made a lot of money on. They're like, man, I see, I see what you can do, but I want you, so I'm going to follow you. That didn't always happen. You know, in, in John 6, uh, Jesus fed a lot of people, and he called them out for it. He's like, yeah, you're coming after me because you want the food that I gave you. He called them out on it. So, but worship, so that was different. You know, they, they worshipped Jesus in a way because there was a big crowd around him. They were, they were praising him. They thought he was awesome. At the end of the day, they weren't really there for him. They were there for the things that he could do for them, the way that he could feed them. But Jesus wants us to worship him. And so I think, you know, the similar, two similarities between Isaiah and Peter. They saw that they were unclean and that they needed Jesus and they weren't worthy of him. Worship causes us to see ourselves a little more clearly. You know, the ways maybe we fall short and we mess up. Worship causes us to change our life, right? Just totally you know, reorienting our life. And, and obviously, you know, worship is, yeah, I, I guess maybe one of the reasons why I want to talk about this today is sometimes, you know, we kind of, we call our singing on Sundays worship, which it is. It's us worshiping God verbally. Um, but worship is like so much deeper than that, so much more than that. And I, you know, I think the, the, the problem, the thing that can happen is we can end up worshiping, you know, the, you know, the things that God could do for us, or maybe the things that God has done, and we don't worship God anymore, right? We worship creation rather than the creator, right? And so I think that's the, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about worshiping Jesus. So here's what I want to do today. Um, 
I moved through this pretty quick, quickly because what I want to do is maybe take a little bit of time today. It's going to break up into some groups. Mm-hmm. And I want us to let's have a conversation. Why do you worship Jesus? That's the question. Talk about why do you, what, why do you worship Jesus? Or maybe why, maybe a question to ask is does, do I, does my life reflect a worship of God right now? And if not, just why? Let's just talk about that, right? Because everything we do is going to stem from how we see God. That's, a famous, that's not me. That's like a famous theologian quote. Like, like, I forgot who it was, but the most, important thing we, the most important thing we think about is God, how we think about God. It turns everything else in our life. And we can get into these places where we just stop worshiping, I think, on a daily basis, right? On a daily basis. So let's, let's split up into groups. I, I think usually the smaller the groups, the more conversation you could have. Uh, I didn't do a head count of what we have in here today, but I'd say maybe like cap it at four. Okay. And, and just we'll take some time, talk about why do you worship God? And if your life doesn't reflect worshiping God right now, why? Let's just talk about it, okay? So let's go ahead and split up. I trust you guys to do it. We don't have like a numbering system. Let's just do groups like four. Let's have some conversation for a while. Okay.